0: This is our scripture that we're ready to read, right? Let's read this. Uh, Let me read this with you. It's from Psalm 130 verses 1 through 6 uh, from the message. Help God. The bottom has fallen out of my uh, life. Master, hear my cry for help. Listen. listen Listen hard. Listen hard. Open your ears. Listen to my cries for mercy. If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would, who would ever stand a chance? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit. Praise God, huh? And that's why you're worshiped. I pray to God, my life, I pray my life is a prayer. And I wait for what he'll say and do. My life is on the line before you, God, my Lord. Waiting and watching till morning. Indeed, waiting and watching till morning. My friends, this is the word of God for all of his people. Thanks be to God. Praise God. I want to share with you this morning... I'm going to share with you this morning that we're on a journey. <clears throat> it's a difficult journey. It's a hard journey. It's a journey that um, we can't make by ourselves. It's a journey that we need the presence of God in our lives. It's a journey that we need to cry out and say, I'm waiting, Lord, for you to, to give me direction. All these, all these years that I've been doing these Lenten services um, have been journeys, but this one's just a little bit different this year, isn't it, um, because of everything going on around us. But I remember, I remember um, one time we had uh, uh, seven churches that got together, and we would do a Lenten service at the, in the evening. And um, the one year that we were doing this, the whole focus of every service was to be about the journey that we're on of forgiveness and God's grace and His mercy in our lives and, and making decisions upon whom we shall follow, and uh, focusing in on repentance. And I remember that uh, I had asked a friend of mine years and years before this, I said to him, I said, "John, if the Holy Spirit would ever touch your heart and you wanted to play something." You just get up and play it. You don't have to come and ask me. That was in our church. I didn't give him permission to do that anyplace else. But I said you don't have to ask me. You can just get up and go play. If it's, he was um, he was one of those um, ladies. He was one of those folks like Jackie. He could make the the keys sing, and um, he didn't play all the time. He didn't want that. But he would play every once in a while. But I said to him, I said, if the spirit of God ever touches you. You can go ahead and, and do that, and he knew the focus on our on our um, evening services for that uh, Lenten season was going on a journey, and so it was um, quite crowded, probably a little over a hundred people there out of the seven churches every Sunday night we would get together and, and have a different pastor you know share and it was um, it was a um, um, not a lighted place like this at night, of course, at 7 o'clock, it was darker, but it was, it was light enough, you know what I mean? It wasn't bright. Anyways, before the service started, and it seemed like everybody was there, and we were just getting ready to start, I saw out of the corner of my eye, I saw John move, and I thought, gee, I wonder he he's going, because he never moved. He, he was always steadfast right where he was at, and, and just a great servant of God. And I saw him move, and he went out of, the, out of the peripheral of my eye, and I didn't see what happened. And then all of a sudden, I heard the piano turn on, the keyboard. It wasn't a fancy keyboard like this. It was just a little keyboard, you know. But I heard it pop. Read, you know, I heard it pop when he turned it on, and I thought, oh, John's going to play. Now, nobody had said anything in the service yet. And John got up there, and he played, um, he played the Via della Rosa. The journey, Christ's journey. The Via Della Rosa, it's on the wall in case you don't know it. See it on the wall all the way around? This is the Via Della Rosa, the way of Christ. In the Catholic Church, they're, they're um, very prominent all year long on the wall. Um, he played the Via Della Rosa. And then he got up and he shut the, he shut the keyboard off, got up, went over, back down, and sat down. And it was about, it was, it was a long version of it, and um, and um, I looked at everybody else as I stood up to introduce everything, and I said, w- we should ask John to come up and just play, and that would be the way we worship God tonight. The Holy Spirit was so powerful in that moment. In that moment, God fell down in our midst, and, and we had to celebrate that time, and it was It was probably, of all these Lenten seasons, these journeys I went on with Lent, it was probably the highlight. That night, one Easter morning was really good, but that night was the best night that I can remember of being on that journey of finding forgiveness in your life and hearing God's um, keys being touched that way and telling us we're on this Via Della Rosa, we're on this journey with Him. And I thought about that. As I've been thinking the last couple of weeks and, and thought about that journey that we're on and, and um, how difficult this journey has been, and it will be yet even. But I was thinking about the, the history of our church, uh, God's church, and, and um, how this um, Via Rosa, this journey that we're on, has changed over the years. And I want to give you, um, just this morning here, three things that are real quick. You're going to get out of here so early, you'll put, we'll beat the Baptist to the restaurant. <laughs> Lent means many things. Lent means many, many things. Um, and I'm going to take them all and put them down into three. Um, Lent, first of all, talks about the repentance. And in the early church, when we're talking about the repentance, Um, Lent meant that you would get baptized. That's what Lent was all about. So they would take a Saturday night and anybody who wanted to get baptized on Easter Sunday, of course it wasn't Easter Sunday then, it was the day Jesus was dying on the cross, they would take that and and go down to the river. And if um, uh, one guy wanted to get baptized, his whole family came with him. And they would talk about it all night long. They would talk about what it meant to be baptized and telling the world around you that you believed in this Easter, this, this guy that died on the cross. You believed completely in him and put your trust in him. And then it started changing that they would do it for like three days, you know, Good Friday, Friday, uh, Saturday, and then Sunday. And they would do, uh, do all that in the first three or four centuries. And then it moved into a whole week. They would do nothing but focus in on what it meant to be baptized and what it meant to be a believer in Christ. And then, of course, in the Reformation, it came to the great big catechism where you had to do it for two years and memorize all of God's word and memorize all these scriptures and go through all these prayers and everything. It took two years to do it. Now we're lucky to get two days. We're back to two days. How do you get kids to do two, day, two years today? It's impossible, isn't it? I went down to to 12 weeks and thought that was really good. Then I went down to a three-day retreat, you know, talking about what it means to be baptized in the the kingdom of God and, and what it meant. And we would do that on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is still the day when most of the people who want to get baptized get baptized. It's on Easter Sunday. We might have one here. I need to talk to them. Carly might get uh, her little girl baptized. We'll talk about that. It was a strange time of focus, but it was all about, the focus was all about um, being in Christ, being forgiven, and living a life that said, I am um, different. And that is still a contention in the church today of how we do it and everything like that. But uh, Easter is a preparation time to get our hearts ready for Christ and to tell the world that we believe in him. And secondly, I think Easter is also a time when those that are estranged from the church, Easter is that focus. You know, we always say, we always say to the people we see at Christmas, we'll say, we'll see you at Easter. Gosh, if I was one of those people, I wouldn't come back neither, you know. You'd be lucky to see me at Easter. Instead of saying, oh, we're so glad you're here, come back next week, you know, we say, no, we'll see you at Easter. And Christmas, we'll, or At Easter we'll say, okay, we'll see you at Christmas. Or whenever something happens, you know. It, it became a time when those who were separated from the church um, for some reason, who had fallen into that category that uh, the Hebrew writer talks about in 10, Chapter 10, verse 25, let us not forget to gather together like some have done. And, and Easter is a time when we look back at ourselves and say, where am I at? You know, and hopefully we have people that are, are talking to us, not saying we'll see you next Christmas, you know, but saying, you know, you ought to come to church before um, um, Christmas this year. I, 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 I've got it on my heart. I'm going to do it tomorrow. You all get a letter. You all don't need to worry about it. But I'm going to send out a letter tomorrow. I've been watching them. Um, uh, I watch a lot of news and um, on the Cleveland News Channel. They've been talking about all this stuff at Lent that you have to give up. And I'm, I'm watching them one day talk about that. And and uh, one girl that I like real well that had the twins, I don't know her name or anything, but but she does real good. And and she was talking about everything that she thought she might give up. And it dawned on me that I have something that we should give up and I should give it to everybody. So I'm going to send out a letter tomorrow, an email, and it'll go like this. I have a great idea about how we uh, have to give up something. And I have the perfect thing to give up this year. And then I'm going to say, let's give up not going to church. Now you guys don't have to worry about that. But everybody else, that, I hope they get this: that it's a, this Lent is a time when we're estranged from the church that we come back. Well, that's all I'm going to say. Let's give up not going to church. I'm not going to say anything more. Have a blessed Easter. See you later. How do you think that would hit you? Somebody might say, "Oh, slap that guy for Jesus." I'll see him Christmas. <laughs> but it's a time for us. Uh, when, when you think about what's going on down at Asbury, for example, when you think about what's going on at Asbury, everybody thinks that's for, um, for, um, uh, that revival that's happening there is for people who don't know Christ. It's not, friends. It is. It is. The prayer is that uh, at a revival, people who don't know Jesus would get excited about Jesus and come to him. That's what Easter is all about the people that don't know Jesus. But Easter is also about those folks that know Jesus. That's who this revival's for, that everybody that's going there to Asbury College, let me uh, almost assure you, I can say without being judgmental, 99.9% of them know Jesus Christ because that's the kind of school that is. And, and who's in this revival? Christians. And that's what we're supposed to do in this Easter season. We are supposed to get our lives excited again about the, uh, discovering that first love. You know that first love that I'm talking about? The first time you fell in love with Jesus and, and you couldn't get done doing enough for him. You wanted to be on this board. You wanted to do this. You wanted to do that. And, and, and just live your whole life for him. That's what Phyllis Ann did with me, in case you didn't know it. She, she met me. And then her whole life changed. And all she could do was, think about me. You know what I mean, Doug? Her whole life revolved around me. Oh, shoot. You know, she didn't even tell people she was married at work for about six months after she's married. (laughs) Because she didn't want to, you know, if it didn't work out. (laughs) Uh, I think that's the way I was with her, I guess. It's that when you get that first love, that first excitement, and you want to do everything you can, that's what Easter is all about, I think. And for our individual purpose, it's to get us excited again, um, especially and I say this gracefully especially if we're, we're not here in worship and we've made excuses. And thus I, I said to somebody the other day, and I, I mean it sincerely with my heart. They said something about they, they couldn't get to church right now because their kids, all their basketball games, their football games, all their track things, and everything else is when? Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I just looked at him and I said, well, I think God wants you to be with your child. Amen? We can go to church. I understand that. He wants us to be in church, but we can do that also. But that child needs that support today. Amen? I don't think God would want us. I don't know if I ever told you this. Let me, well, maybe you won't get out of here. But let me tell you this story real quick. When I was in seminary, classes were, were extremely expensive for a, a, our time and what we, the income we had it was extremely expensive. And, and, and it was terrible if you had to take a class over. And I had to take one over in seminary. And um, it was a, um, a four-hour class every day from 2 o'clock, uh, from two o'clock to, to 6 o'clock every day. It was, a, it was longer than that. It went till 8. So it was from 4 to 8 every day or um, um, Tuesdays and Thursdays. It was four-hour class. So... <laughs> So every day, I would get up and leave at 6 o'clock. Every Tuesday and Thursday of this class, I would get up and leave, and it was a big classroom. Not quite this big, but a big classroom. And there was a door back there and a door up here where the professor stood that you could go out into the hallway and leave. Well, every day at 6 o'clock, I would go out the back door back there and leave. And about the third time I did that, he he met me out in the hallway. because you could see me walking down. And so he met me out in the hallway, and he said, I need to know, what in the world are you doing? And I said, uh, well, my son plays basketball in exactly an hour, and it takes me an hour to get to where he's at, at 7 o'clock, you know. He said, you mean to tell me you're leaving this class to go to your son's basketball game? He said, what what is just a little bit more important here, boy? And I didn't even answer him. I didn't even answer him. If he needed to answer that, ask that question, he didn't know what was important. And it wasn't that stupid class. Amen? I, went, I just walked by him. He didn't think that was too funny. I had to take the class over again. I, I told him, I met him at Christmas during the Christmas break. And I said, by the way, hey, Merry Christmas. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I gave you a $4,000 gift. Aren't you Happy? We need to be reconciled. We need to search our heart and understand where God wants us to be. And then the last thing, and I think uh, Lent has come into being in this journey, is a place where the church, because of uh, the individuals in that church, where a church repents, renews its commit, commitment to Jesus Christ. My friends, I hate to tell you this, but we're not in that, we're not in that realm right now. We're not in that realm. And I'm not, I, don't, don't hear me judgmental. Um, but it's just a, a, pure, a pure fact that we as a church are not repenting. And um, we're not saying, as United Methodists, that we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And because of that, because of that, the journey is tainted. And the, the whole purpose of the catechisms and everything is to um, uh, us as individuals and as a body is to search our hearts and say, God, this is where I, I want to be. Uh, I like that prayer that we had there just before the service started. It said, all I want is just a little bit more of you in my life every day. And I don't think that we as a church are there. And if you think that's an easy thing to say you should be standing here it just breaks my heart to no end so over the last couple of weeks Phyllis Dan, and I have been chatting and we've been talking with our kids <clears throat> we can't uh, I can't I can't stay in the United Methodist Church but I can't leave it neither <laughs> it's a sad commentary I, I can't stay but at the same time, I have to watch out for my wife, and I can't leave the United, Church, United Methodist Church, give up my credentials, and lose my insurance. Lose my insurance. Lose, you know, everything that Phyllis Sand went through last year was probably up in the three and $400,000. And our, your insurance that you pay for us, that you've paid all these years for us, these 41 years, that insurance paid for every dime. Matter of fact, we got a refund for $5.08. Somebody overcharged somebody. I said, I'm not cashing that check. She said, you cash that check. Okay, never mind. But that, uh, you know, as long as Phyllis Ann is alive, I'm not giving up that insurance. If she would go home before me, as soon as she went home, I would dis, uh, disaffiliate myself. But right now, I can't do it. I can't do it. But at the same time, um, we're pondering this and everything. So we have decided to go ahead and retire. I'm in that good position for the third time. <laughs> We can retire and we'll be done at the end of June then. And you will go through the process here the rest of this year of getting a um, new pastor. And it doesn't affect your voting today. I would hope you would vote whatever, what's on your heart um, that um, we need to disaffiliate. It won't change. If you vote that we stay as United Methodist Church, I'll love you to death, but I'm leaving come June. Okay. The end of June. It breaks your heart. It breaks our heart. It. It. I it, um, talked with our. We talked. We didn't make this lightly. <laughs> we didn't make it lightly. And and if you ask me how I feel about it, I'll tell you. Out and out stinks. I don't like it. I don't like it. But I don't like where we're at as a church. Afraid to repent and ask God to forgive us. And that's where we're at. And I can't. I can't give up not following Christ. I, I have a hard time staying a United Methodist pastor. But I will. Because my wife needs that. Amen? Not giving that up for anybody. I'm going to keep her safe, whatever happens. If I, if I would go before she does, her, the insurance stays the same. Never goes away until we both leave. So um, that's what's guiding us and directing us. And I say that all to you because it's a journey that we're on. It's a hard journey. It's a difficult journey. And it's not a journey that we go on by ourselves. All these folks that have got us to this point have went through this journey and understand what what Lent is all about. And um, Well, I, I failed to mention even even the stations of the cross that are up here, the way of the cross that are around here, we're going to go through those on Friday night. That's why the girls um, put them up there. Good Friday. Not this Friday, but Good Friday. We're going to put those and go through that service of having a Good Friday service. And it reminds us, all. all the, everything that I'm talking about reminds us of the journey that we're on. And the journey we're on is to say, who are we serving? <laughs> who are we serving How do we get to the person we want to serve the best? And where are we going from here? And my prayer is that we're going on um, to be in God's will. We're going on to perfection. We're going on to serving him in this community as a Bible-believing, trusting, serving church. Amen? That's my prayer for you. And Philistana and I believe that we're doing what God wants us to do. Amen. Is it difficult to do what God wants us to do? You stinking bell. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. But um, we're after you know a couple weeks now. We're at peace with it. Uh, it's diff- it'll be difficult, friends, because we love you so much. But God will put somebody here that'll love you even more than I did. Amen. Let's pray together. God, this is, a, a as, you, as you let us know so much, this is a journey that we're on, a journey that doesn't quit until we quit breathing. And all along that journey, all we want to do is be in your grace. We know, we know along this journey we will fall out of your will at times, but we know we'll never fall out of your grace, that you'll always be with us, and we thank you for that. And we thank you that you'll be with us in this time today. Today, as we make a bold statement to this community that we believe in you, we believe in, in your love and your grace. We believe that you, you are the one that you gave to die for our sins, your son. We, we believe in that, Lord. We trust it, and we're not, we're not veering away from that. We ask the question Is how are we going to get there and who are we going to follow? And the answer is simple. We're going to follow you, follow you, Jesus, all the way. All the way. So we need your presence in our lives in this time right now. And we come before you as your your children, renewing our hearts with you as individuals and as a church. And we just pray you'd be with us today. Guide us and direct us. Be with with your church. Be with your church, Lord. Be with us, we pray today in Christ's holy name. Amen? Amen.